What is going on, Suns fans? Justin here, and with me as always is my podcasting partner, Paul. At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. Everyone in this room is now dumber for ever listening to it. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. A simple no would have sufficed. <laughs> Boom, Rocket Paul. <laughs> All right, and welcome to this episode of Fanning the Flames, your one and only Phoenix Suns podcast that is made for the fans. That's you guys, by the fans, that is us. Trademark, copyrighted, all that crap. <laughs> yes, 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 indeed. Intro and outro music, as always, presented by Oceans Over Airplanes. Check them out over at oceansoverairplanes.com. And throw it out there immediately. Rate and review on iTunes. Rate and review in the comment section if you can do that. Leave us comments on Twitter. We'll read those. We'll throw them out there. We'll give you guys a little bit of cred for giving us some cred as well. Shout out to Solar Panel for allowing us to steal that concept from them. All right. And the other ones we will steal throughout the rest of the time. Many, <laughs> many more. And I'm still working just stealing Espo entirely from them. I think we have a better shot at Dave. I, why? I, why? <laughs> I'm interested. This is interesting. Well, he's our boss. <laughs> okay. I think he might like us better. Than Espo does? Are you saying Espo doesn't no, like ben us? No, Ben, Espo, and Tim. <laughs> oh. Oh, that's... I'm going to I'm going to move on. This this got weird really quickly. Okay. Anyway, so Phoenix Suns. Let's yeah. talk Phoenix Suns, Paul. Yeah, they've um, done stuff. And the biggest thing to come to light is the Devin Booker surgery. Yeah. Devin yeah. Booker had surgery today. Today? Today. Today on his right hand. Yes. It was announced on Sunday and kind of came out of nowhere. Kind of, yeah. Uh, I mean, there were he had some issues towards the end of the season, but I don't think anybody's really thought about that since that point in time. Right, because, I mean, he went through the USA minicamp and whatnot and seemed to be playing really well. And Exactly. There was no indication that, that there were any... Uh, Lingering. Any inflammations of that. Uh, ultimately, Ryan McDonough was on, I think, Gambo and Burns, Burns and today. Gambo. Burns and Gambo today. And said that it just flared up and swelled up during some some pickup play as of late uh you, you know I, I think initially it, it it bears noting that it came on sunday this news came on sunday which was an incredibly shitty day for arizona sports <laughs> just a bit i mean it was horrendous <laughs> that's this past sunday you had the cardinals just get absolutely decimated well, by the and you had just come off u of a we don't need to talk about u of a okay kevin yes. sumlin has a master plan calm down for seven years right. down the road u of a lost on saturday yet again and got decimated as well and got embarrassed asu picked up a nice win yeah i know although I, ASU, I may have to eat some crow asu basketball also started 12 and 0 and was number two in the nation earlier this year so asu fans tap your brakes a little bit i'm just yeah. gonna say that i mean i'm not super sold on Herm Edwards yet, but he may change my mind. Hey, you know what? You can't complain about beating a top 15 team, a number 15 team, but again, 12-0, and 0, number two in the nation, and then ranked. <laughs> Moving on. Uh, the Cardinals, again, decimated on Sunday. The Diamondbacks were just an absolute shit show right now. Blew yet another game where they had a lead. They're and turning blew into the it, And blew it, like, in epic fashion. Yeah. They walked into, I believe the, I believe they went into the top of the ninth with a two-run lead and gave up 
six runs that inning, if I recall correctly. I believe Sounds it very was, messy. I believe it was five to three, and then they gave up six. And those six came on like just absurd bombs. And then as that was all settling in for Arizona sports fans, we get the news that Devin Booker is having surgery. And the worst part of it was initially it came out and it said out indefinitely. Yeah. Indefinitely yeah. is like the worst word you <laughs> yeah, can like, use what, in is sports. He, is, he, is the surgery to replace his hand with somebody else's hand? Is he going to come back with a hook? I, I, <laughs> is, I, think, I think we all recognize he wouldn't come back with a hook, but... Maybe one of those highlight things. <laughs> oh. You know, that's like the, the biggest sport in the Philippines. You know that, right? No, I did not know that. Now you do. As a as a half Filipino, I'm proud to announce that. So, but yeah, no the the Booker injury or Booker surgery came out of the blue, concerned I think a lot of people. Um, but ultimately, it looks like at this point he's going to be out six weeks. Yeah, which is going to be detrimental, but not nearly as detrimental as I think people perhaps thought it was going to be initially when it was announced just because there was yeah. so much so much confusion so much lack of information around it initially again came out of nowhere indefinitely was put in the in the right. tweet and you didn't know what kind of surgery you didn't know what was the time frame for return it was it was just very very confusing and concerning and after some of the other moves that we'll talk about shortly that have happened with the suns it that whole the whole backcourt situation is now thrown up in the air, and I think that's sure. what a lot of people were even worried about even more. But I mean, from a personal perspective, I just wanted to speak on it just from the perspective of I had shoulder surgery this year, and this was based off an injury that was well over a year old mm-hmm. that I was dealing with. So I'm not surprised that sometimes this happens where you're going along, you progress, you regress. Kind of get back up, and then like at a certain point, it's like okay, we've done all our other options. Surgery is the next step, and that's what I got to. So I mean, being that it was an injury back in March or whatever, and he's only getting surgery now, and we're wondering why didn't he do it sooner? The knife is not the first thing you want to go to. Sure. So they try, and the Suns have a very good training staff. So they're going to go through the processes. They're going to go through all the other options before they have to cut him open and like really sideline him for a serious amount of time. And I trust that that's what they did. And they just determined that the, okay, the, the ups and downs are enough that like, okay, there's something more in there. We got to actually go get in there and physically fix. They, they, it finally crossed a line where they said rehab, rest, rice, Shots. whatever <laughs> is not working. So let's go ahead and have the surgery done. That makes sense. That uh, is fine. And I mean, there's there is some concern. I, I, at least I think initially there was, and and I'm sure there still is over the fact that they waited so long. Right. But, and he did just sign the contract. Right. And it's but like, did they wait till he signed the contract before <laughs> he would do, he told them that it was hurt enough that he needed to do the surgery? There's like, it's like a concern that I saw out there as well. Yeah, and and I, I think that's that's less of a. That that's not really a concern for me. Right. I mean, my concern is, could this have been nipped in the bud earlier, mm-hmm. and then not cost him training camp, not cost him the preseason, not cost him possibly games into the regular season, right? Uh, and and had it resolved earlier. But again, like you said, not that we're doctors, mm-hmm. 
but based on Paul's personal experience, which I'm sure is very comparable to Devin Booker's. Right, yes, because I'm an elite, elite athlete. athlete. <laughs> um, it, it, it does make sense not to jump to the surgery immediately and see what can happen, especially you know if it was a situation where things are... You know, there's discomfort, there's swelling. There, there are ways to go about that without going into the surgery option. But at the same time, again, if it's a six-week time frame for the surgery recovery, like, why not do it? It's not the worst time. Right, right. I mean, it's not it like Tommy. Be... It's not like Tommy John surgery where you sit there and go, okay, well, maybe we don't have to do this. But if we do, he's out for a year. Right, and it's not like we're pulling, it's like a Shaq situation here where he's like, I got hurt on company time, I'm getting healed on company time. <laughs> Right. Sure. Sure. You don't but, remember that? No, I don't. Yeah, he had to get like foot surgery, and he waited till like the beginning of the season to do it. And his excuse was, "I got hurt on company time." God bless. God, God bless you, Shaq. Yeah, God bless you, time. Shaq. I guess I don't know. Um, <laughs> you know, one thing though, I, I do want to talk about, and this is probably really neither here nor there, but it, it has been circulating around Sun's Twitter over the past couple of days, and that is that is the speculation that was created by this 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 radio show kenny and crash which i had never heard of before they're yeah. on 9 10 a.m i haven't listened Who to listens them to a.m it, it's, it still exists who would have known i mean between I thought, satellite and i thought a.m went out with uh, that and that, ktar with that uh song by uh oh my gosh i don't know the guy hold, help on, me. hold on hold on hold on hold on hold on Start singing it. They sing Santa Monica. They sing oh, oh, uh, Everclear. Everclear, yes. They have a song called AM, AM Radio. Radio. But anyway, okay. Um, I was Kenny just listening Crash. to Santa Monica when I went to go get yogurt before you showed up. That's a great song. It's a great song. So, uh, Kenny and Crash, uh, particularly Crash Gladys, and I don't know, are we, are we, are we supposed to, like, talk shit about... <laughs> About other radio, like we can do this, right? I don't know. I think so, uh, Dave, I mean, Dave. If you feel the need to edit this, then you can edit it and not, <laughs> not, not post it, I guess. But Crash Gladys posted yesterday on Twitter at Woj. Hey Woj, it's coming clear now. Trying to verify if Sons Devin Booker fell off of his unicycle yesterday. There is video out there. Parentheses. I'm not kidding. Close parentheses. But we're still working to get it. Just FYI. They haven't gotten it yet, as far as I can tell. They, they haven't, because there is no video of a unicycle. No. Because she followed that with a tweet where she <coughs> posted the video of Booker riding a bike. Like, like a, a bike. Like, and, everyone and, does. And, and not, not even, like, not even like a BMX bike. It was like a beach cruiser. <laughs> he, was, he was driving down a Nice road. street in Coronado. No, it was definitely in the Arcadia area. You sure? Because I think the rest of the... He, Camelback was... Oh, Camelback was Mountain was right there. <laughs> yes. So, and and she tweets out, there you go, Suns fans. No full clarification yet if he fell after this video and that is why he was requiring surgery. But the timing is beyond coincidental. We will update you on Fox Sports 910 as we find out more. And, and again, the video is clearly him riding a bicycle. So somebody called her out saying... Are you reporting that that is a unicycle? To which she responds, looks like a bike to me, but we have been saying unicycle on the show all afternoon and having fun with it. That's some I've, good journalism. Just Let's just have fun with it. I've seen it written as unicycle and as bicycle. I don't care what it was. 
what it is or was, he was reckless. Mind you, she spelled reckless, W-R-E-C-K-L-E-S-S. Like, like there's not a wreck. Anyway. <laughs> Can we just, like, what the fuck this, Paul? Like, <laughs> yeah. Are, yeah. Like, they, they, they turned this into something that was, was absolutely nothing. Like, the unicycle right. thing, apparently, maybe somebody... I don't know, texted her or tweeted her about it and she just ran with it? That's insane to me. And and I'm not saying that you and I are are like the quintessential picture of journalistic integrity, but guess what? We're not freaking journalists. We're not paid for it. Yet we're still more we still we still <laughs> do our job with more integrity, I feel, than 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 they did based on what, what they what they ran out there with. I mean, two two weeks ago, three weeks ago, a month ago, whatever it was, like I forced you to say <laughs> Hey, that's a Kevin prediction. Durant is coming to the Suns. <laughs> but you know prediction. what? We were at least more accurate because Kevin Durant plays basketball and the Suns are a basketball <laughs> team. Here they're saying he was, quote unquote, reckless by using a unicycle that apparently doesn't even exist. Like The, the whole thing is so freaking shocking to me. How does... And people give Gambo shit about saying stuff. And He's got sources and he, did, he doesn't my mess God. too much. My God. I just... I was just shocked by the whole thing. Yeah, it was it was definitely a whole waste of energy and data to to, to look at that stuff. It's really just a situation of, and then she's talking about he's rest, reckless because he rode a bike. I mean, yes, there are clauses on NBA contracts about you can't do certain things. You can't go skydiving. You can't ride a motorcycle. Not a bicycle, a motorcycle, because it goes too fast, and Jason the Williams. statistics are just there, that it's bad. I mean, I yeah, Jason Williams is a perfect example. He ruined his career over a motorcycle accident. I'm pretty sure a bicycle's not in there. Skateboarding might be. Maybe. There's some stuff in there, but I mean, there were literally pictures and videos of the entire Suns team riding bikes. <laughs> <laughs> in this past two days they were doing it as a team so yeah it, it's it, you know there's a they were a, making fun of george king a, a, after <laughs> after after book surgery he posted a picture uh it was on nba on tnt's twitter account oh was him it? sitting in the plane like the like the kind of like laid the, out on the laid PJs. out on the you know like the, the couch the bed. There was a seatbelt right there, no seatbelt on. I was like, oh, oh look out! Yeah. More reckless, more reckless activity from Devin Booker. And and my my other problem with it is and again, maybe this is me just being a lawyer, but like alleging calling somebody reckless is is a pretty significant allegation. Like this showing that he's showing a dis that's saying he's showing a disregard for his contractual obligations for his professional responsibilities, et cetera. And I think that's, that's, that's just absurd. Absurd, Paul. Absurd. 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 And I, I would welcome, I, I will, I'll say this right now. If Crash Gladys wants to talk about this with us, I'm more than happy to hear her side of the story. But it seems like they tried to start something Turned out it was false, and then she tried to say it was basically they're just you know she messing around run with back, it. Yeah, yeah. It, 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 come on, come on. I don't think I'm gonna be tuning in. I haven't, and I probably won't either. Maybe, maybe it's a good mm. show. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Let us know if you listen to it and if we should. Yeah, yeah. If anybody out there listens to this show, let us know what you think about it. I'm interested. Yeah, I'd like to hear it. Okay.
I'm nice. gonna I'm gonna oh, get off of this now. L- last thing, <laughs> you mentioned the uh, the picture that was posted. Mm-hmm. I had one minor concern about Ooh. that photo. Go on, I know what you're gonna say. Go the, on. The caption to it, he said, I I'm paraphrasing it because I don't remember the exact words, but he said, first surgery in the books. Right. That's a bit concerning to me, just because. All we've heard about was he's having surgery and he'll be back in six weeks. Nothing about a follow-up surgery or that this might be multiple procedures. When I hear follow-up surgery, I hear longer time period than six weeks. Again, coming from somebody who had surgery and knew how long it took to rehab it. Right. Um, I I, I saw that, obviously, and my, my read of that was... I don't, I don't recall with any of Booker's past injuries if he's ever had surgery. So my thought is this is a 21-year-old kid that maybe this is the first time he's ever actually had surgery. And he's saying, first surgery is success, saying this is the first time it happened, it all went well, I'm good. Uh, Ryan McDonough was on, like I said earlier, I think, did I say this earlier? On Gambo, um, and, Burns. Gambo and Burns, Burns Burn and Gambo. Gambo. I think it was Burns and Gambo. could have been. Bickley and Murata. But anyway, yeah. he was on 98.7 one way or the other. <laughs> and he didn't make mention of any second surgery. Uh, I, I I would imagine that if there were going to be follow-up procedures, the Suns would say something about that because, especially in light of Booker's post. Right. Because if there was going to be a second surgery, knowing how... Suns Nation is right now in terms of the Suns. I mean, we've, we have some cautious optimism right now with the draft, um, maybe some pessimism with some of the trades that have happened <laughs> and with the point guard position. But overall, it seems like the timeline is starting to play out as we anticipated playing out. We're on the upswing. We're on the upswing, hopefully. And, and we don't want to see it derailed. Right. And if, if there was any reason to think that Booker was actually going to have a subsequent surgery after the one he's already had. I think, feel, believe that McDonough would be forthright about that and and would have made some sort of comment in that regard. And he he didn't, at least as far as I can recall from listening to that that uh, conversation. So, I think you're perhaps reading too much into it. Maybe I'm wrong. You could be. You could be right. But I'm. I'm. I'm certainly hoping you're not. Because if if they're saying it's a six six week recovery time frame, if there's going to be another surgery, you would think it would be longer than six weeks. Right. Exactly. And that's yeah. That's kind of really pretty much where I was coming from. Okay. 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 So anyway. Yeah. So Booker Booker's out for at least six weeks. Again, I think there's some expectation that he's gonna that that's going to extend at least into perhaps the beginning of the season. I think the biggest problem with that is based on how the Suns roster stands right now, and based on what McDonough said during his interview today. Right. They're 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 comfortable, quote unquote, comfortable running a Kobo, Harrison. Etc. Out there as as the one as as right. the point guard that might just be damage control though very well could be uh, and and you know I'm, they've been obviously discussing potential trades and maybe there's more activity than we're aware of but let's just assume for the sake of this conversation that that's what's going to happen that's that assume. that there's not going to be a trade 
And as much as like I relegated myself to the idea of Brandon Knight being our point guard to start the season, I'm similarly re- relegating myself to the concept that the Suns are going to be going into this upcoming season with the roster that they currently have in place. Right. The problem then becomes Booker missing training camp preseason. That's a big piece of your offense that's not going to be there to integrate himself in Kokoshkov's new offense. And if you're expecting him to play a role of a, you know, James Harden light, if you will, from a couple of years ago before they got uh, Chris Paul, that's that's a, you know, a primary slash 1A, 1B ball handler. Right. Not being there to get his arms wrapped around the offense, get everybody else used to him controlling the flow of the game for whatever extent he's going to be right. doing it. It's and, like driving a car without a steering right, wheel. Right, and that's, 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 that's bad news. I mean, yeah. <laughs> no other way to put that. Right? Right, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, I, I was waiting for something else there. Nope. But yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's definitely a concern from that standpoint of whatever is put in during training camp is being put in without the biggest cog in the machine. So all the different things they're bringing in, I mean, yeah, Booker's going to be there. He's going to be watching film. He's going to be learning it. But to the extent that he's physically learning how to move within it, that's not happening. And that's going to have to happen during actual games. And hopefully it works. He's a really smart player. And I think he... His skill set lends itself a bit to a motion offense, so I think he'll pick up a mm-hmm. lot of it pretty quickly. But at the same time, you know, when you're trying to build a system that, for all intents and purposes, kind of is designed to almost, yes, it's motion, but it's also going to be running around a given player and like everybody's motion is based off of what he does. Mm-hmm. Installing that for the rest of the team without him there is also going to be really hard. I mean, it's basketball, and these coaches are really smart, and they've been doing it forever, and they've dealt with injured players and not having key pieces and whatnot, and they know how to work with that. I, th- I think it'll all work out, but it may put a kink into the potential, any potential attempts to have a quick start to the season sure. and kind of get out in front and whatnot. I mean... I don't want them to tank again this season. They don't want to tank this season. Management doesn't want them to tank this season. The rest of the fans don't want them to tank this season. I'm just afraid that as they go through those growing pains that would potentially happen during training camp, they get to the point where like, oh, maybe we should tank this season and get Zion. Yeah, and that's, that's a whole <laughs> different topic. I mean, is, is, <laughs> Zion is, is a physical specimen. There's no doubt about that. I'm... Uh, my 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 initial thoughts on him is I'm a little concerned about what's at least perceived as a lack of an outside shot. Although in their in their uh, scrimmage or you know exhibition game recently, he showed some ability to shoot from outside. Uh, but let's not delve into that. No, that's that's a whole. <laughs> let's let's save that for post All Star game. But I mean, we, we, <laughs> you you look at it because. If Booker's out those six weeks and he's not going to be there for training camp, he's not going to be there for preseason, I mean, you can't expect this team then to kind of, quote-unquote, hit their stride, regardless of 
what level that stride is at, but not be fully integrated until at least, I would think, eight weeks, if not more, into the season. You know, because him missing six weeks uh, is during the, including training camp and preseason, is much different than him missing six weeks in the middle of the season. Because, again, implementing a new offense, getting the players used to each other. It's there's there's invaluable time in that in that training camp in that preseason that he's he's not going to be able to participate in. So we might be looking at a situation where this team isn't really running on full capacity until end of November into December. Right. And yeah, like and you said, there there goes any potential for a for a fast start. And and I use fast start loosely loosely and and. Within within the context of what a fast start would be for the Suns, fast start would be five hundred. Right, right. <laughs> so I'm I'm not expecting them to rattle off seventeen wins in a row. Yeah, but hey, you know <laughs> hey, what? Miracles those, have those, happened. Those O three O four Suns. Nobody thought they were going to win sixty two games. So hey, Elliot Kobo. No, that was O four O five. O three O four was close enough. <laughs> I got one of the years right. Yeah. Hey, Elliot Kobo could be the French uh, Steve Nash. You know, <laughs> and, well, and you know, uh, to that point, McDonough did speak very highly of Okobo today. And of course, he's not going to rag on a guy, but at the same time, you would think that he's not going to talk a guy up, especially a rookie coming in from another league who was a second round draft pick, right. if, if he didn't truly have some faith in him. And, and obviously, take that with a grain of salt because McDonough is the GM of the Suns. And his job is kind of on the line as we're going into this season because it is now his team. There's no excuse. There's no, oh, our rebuild got held back by a few years because we almost made the playoffs one year and changed direction, et cetera, et cetera. This is his team. But he did say today during that interview, quote, we're very high on Elliot Kobo. He's looked terrific in pickup games we've had so far. Melton, we thought, was one of the better rookies in Summer League, and guys like Shaq Harrison and Isaiah Cannon played very well for us a year ago. We have depth there, being at the point guard position. I realize we don't have a lot of experience there. So if they stick with the lineup that they currently have, with the roster that they currently have, they are relying on these guys to show more than what one would expect them to do, considering... What we've seen from Shaq Harrison, what we've seen from Isaiah Cannon, and what we would expect from rookies like um, D'Anthony Melton and and Elliot Kobo. Which kind of I think leads into, you know, the, the this whole Ryan Anderson, um, D'Anthony Brandon Melton, Knight. Brandon Knight, Marquise Chris trade. Now this is old news at this point. Right. And we've been away, so <laughs> understandably so it's old news, but the biggest issue that everyone has had with that trade is, okay, Brandon Knight, maybe not the best dude to have starting it at the one. Maybe but not the ideal start guy. At the one. We but, know what we're getting. Right, but presumably if he got back to anywhere near Brandon Knight of Milwaukee, Milwaukee, Milwaukee. then he's still better, presumably, than what presumably. the Suns now currently have on their roster. Um, and, you know, that, that, that trade was... It was an interesting trade. I think that the fact that Ryan Anderson agreed to reduce his guaranteed salary for 2019-2020 to the same level of Brandon Knight's um, made it a little more palatable for Suns fans. But 
the interesting thing that I, I, I took out of that trade, particularly, again, in light of McDonough's uh, interview today, was why they made the trade. And in, in speaking about that today, McDonough said, again, quote, a big part of it, not only with Marquise, but with Brandon as well, with Igor Kokoshkov and his staff coming in, they have, a new, they have new philosophies. They have a very high-level offensive system that I think our fans will really enjoy watching because it's really impressive and has proven to be effective over time. The key part of that to me was the, quote, high-level offensive system. That means something to me, him saying that. Paul, does that mean something to you? Yeah, I mean, that's a... First thing that comes to my mind with that is Marquise Chris. I mean, there's... That's always been a concern with him, is that he's got a bunch of physical tools, but the basketball IQ is not there. I mean, you saw it in the his foul rate, and that was a combination of, I think, a little bit of IQ... One, I mean, a little bit. It's the natural IQ. A little bit of it. It's just his lack of experience because he only played um, basketball for a couple of years before he um, went to Washington. Went, went to Washington mm-hmm. and then to the NBA after only a single year in college, and then just his lack of focus in general. So a combination of that. I, I don't know if he would pick up the nuance, or maybe they were seeing that in what they were trying to, you know passively install over the summer during like pickup games and training sessions and whatnot to be like hey here's the basic principles that you're going to see once we get into training camp and we really start to install this offense and he just like wasn't grasping them Knight, he's a smart guy he's a really really smart dude and i think he actually does have a pretty high basketball iq i think he might also just have an issue of he's stubborn Mm-hmm. to an extent and he wants like yeah he may know the right thing to do but he knows the thing he wants to do and those may conflict in that he knows this is my style of play and his style of play he may more be more of a style whereas Marquise is more of a substance issue yeah no that makes that makes perfect sense I mean and 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 to your point about Knight I I will admit I was disappointed in seeing him trading Knight only because... Would like to give him a shot. Give him a shot. He, based on all reports we've seen, has embraced the, I need to be a leader, I need to adjust my game, I, I'm a, I need to be a team player type guy, uh, particularly in light of the, the, the roster the Suns currently have put together. And I would have liked to see what he could do with this Suns roster. I think he's probably in the best possible situation for him though well sure i mean you're at you're on a contender you're gonna be the third guard and you're gonna be playing with a hall of fame player pretty much at all times and at least and you may even get some pretty decent run because chris paul might get injured right you know it's pretty consistent yeah (laughs) granted you'll still probably be playing more off guard but you know that might not be a bad thing. It might not be a bad thing. And the way their offense is run, they're used to kind of they actually have kind of figured out the two point guards thing mm-hmm, mm-hmm. better than the Suns were able to do it. Mm-hmm. Um so he may be in a pretty good situation and Chris might be in a pretty good situation too. I mean, granted, he is gonna get rode by Chris Paul. Yeah. <laughs> like that's not gonna be fun. Yeah. But Chris Paul and James Harden also are amazing passers who will get him so many highlight dunks. Right. And that's all they're going to ask him to do 
is run the floor, rebound, and get highlight dunks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and, you know, I think it's a good situation for both those guys. I agree yeah. with you. Um, and I, 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 I had said before recently that when it came to the whole Chris, and this is one thing, thank God the Chris Bender debate's now over in Phoenix yeah. at least, right? Right. Um, for better or worse. Uh, and and I've said it as of late that if I had to pick between one of the two, I had started leaning towards Chris, just because just we knew that tank. Chris went through all of last season out of shape until the, towards the end of the season when he finally started to actually put some things together. So, you know, I I wasn't quite at the point as some Suns fans were in terms of willingness to give up on Chris. But you know what? It's done. It is what it is. And the Suns have to, you know, obviously move forward based on where the roster stands now. Which then, of course, raises the question that everyone has been thinking, and that is, what are the Suns going to do? Are they going to really... Again, I've relegated myself to the idea that they're going into the season with the roster they have. It's going to be an open competition in training camp. Yeah, and, and I mean, I say that because... You look at the, the the assets that the Suns have, that they could potentially trade to maybe get a point guard, and you look at what point guards might be available out there, and I don't know that I see a ton of value in the return for what the Suns could give up. And, or that, at least that the fans are willing to give up. Or, right. I mean, if the Suns are going to make a move, and I love Josh Jackson, obviously. Obviously. But if the Suns are going to make a move... For a point guard, I say they, they have piece. they have to go all in. They have to go all in and, and put Jackson in there, put whatever draft picks they need to put in there, and go after a Damian Lillard. Go after a Kemba Walker. Do whatever. But if it's going to be something less than that, from my perspective, why bother? Because is anybody that's less than that going to make the team that much better? And you've got Kemba going into a contract year. Maybe at the trade deadline, his, his value is a little bit... I won't say his value is less, but the Hornets perhaps are willing to take less because they need to get something in return as opposed to him walking. Right. Um, Or alternatively, he's a free agent next year. Right. Well, because, I mean, there's the, I mean, with what the Suns currently have at the point guard position is a bunch of flotsam. We don't know what it is. A bunch of what? Flotsam. Flotsam and jetsam. A bunch of stuff. I've never heard that. I've literally never heard that. I'm sure. I'm sure it's a saying. I've just never heard it. <laughs> so I'm gonna use that. Don't it's just a bunch wrong. of stuff. No, I'm just stuff. that we don't really know what we've got. And hey, we may have a diamond in the rough there, and some guy may turn into something. But he's all, but it's all rookies or very inexperienced guys who just don't have the reps to just keep an keep an offense under control, and that could really derail the season. Mm-hmm. So even from a stamp, and it also seems. Like the goal is to build the offense around Booker. Booker is the the crux of the offense. He is gonna be like think the old Kobe Lakers days where like the offense really ran around him. The point guard was there. Was there Derek Fisher for a long time, right? <laughs> and he had a role, and he fit into that role. So, and we've talked about it in the past. That's why some of the guys like Patrick Beverly and whatnot have come up as potential trade targets because they're not expe- we're not expecting to bring in Chris Paul. We're not expecting to right. bring in Steve Nash. I mean, there's a history of the Suns of we've had a lot of great point guards. So as a fan base, 
we want the best. We want those flat. We want the the next Jason Kidd. We want the next Steve Nash. We want the next Kevin Johnson. On and on and on. That may not be what's best for this team right now, based on how it's being constructed. Having a point guard who has some defensive capacity to cover for Booker can initiate is comfortable enough in his skill set that can initiate an offense, particularly on like a fast break. But at the same time, isn't expected to be the one to run the whole show because that's going to be Booker, right? So having one of those mid-level guys who kind of does fit that role, say like I said, a Patrick Beverly type, could be the level we can look for, and with the assets we have available, might be much more attainable. Sure, I got you, um, and. You know, again, we'll 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 see where things go with the Suns. I I'm cautiously cautiously optimistic that maybe a move will occur, but again, I just hope it's the right move. I don't want them to make a move for the sake of making a move at this right. point, because there's really no point in that. I get it that there's a glut on the wing, but massive glut in 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 this day and age in the NBA, having wing players isn't a bad thing. Right, it's not, but it it's just. I mean, even with with the Ryan Anderson trade, you know, we we went from going for most of the summer thinking that Trevor Ariza was probably going to be playing a lot of stretch four, and he probably will, which would have then allowed open up those minutes at the three spot and even some at the two spot, uh, with Booker sliding to point for Bridges, for Jackson, for Warren, that we could kind of make it work. Mm-hmm. But now you bring in Ryan Anderson, and then you've got Bender behind him. You've got Aiton and and Chandler at the five. And on the other side, point card's a point card. But unless we're moving Booker half its time, 65% of his time, to the one spot, he's the logjam, 35, 36 minutes at the two spot with the backup being maybe Mikhail Bridges, maybe Josh Jackson, Troy Daniels is in there too. Maybe Davon Reed shows us some stuff. He showed some stuff in summer league. Maybe he, now that he's healthy, can show show some stuff in the league. That leaves, was it five guys mm-hmm. at that three spot? It's just something. Well, at the two three spot, right? No, like okay. So you got Booker here. You got Bender and Chris on the other side. There's no. Chris? I'm ignoring. I'm Bender, <laughs> Bender and Anderson. So natural to say Bender so, and Chris, right? Right, right, right. We'll get used to it. We'll get used to it. Like it's still so natural to say San Diego Chargers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so now you're sitting at the small forward spot. Of you got Ariza, who we're assuming starting. Then you got Warren, who has started. Jackson, who has started. Bridges, and so am I missing one, or is that everybody at this point? That's everybody. Yes. But so you've got four guys who all probably deserve minutes. I mean, I think probably furthest down that level is Mikhail Bridges, but I mean, they've got a lot of promise with him and hope with like what he brings to the team as that kind of three and D guy who maybe even kind of steps up, steps out of that role a little bit too, just now that he's in the NBA. Well, and and I I see Troy Daniels as being the odd man out there. Oh, definitely. Because I think. Ultimately, you're going to see Booker play the one at some, you know, let's, let's call it 15 minutes a game, even, right? Yeah. So then you've got 
Booker, Bridges, Jackson, Ariza, that could all, I think, really move within the two to three. Right, and even some of them can move down to the four a little right, bit, too. exactly. So. so I think there's a way to spread those minutes around. There's there's going to have to be somebody who's, you know, a, a casualty of war there, and I think that's going to be Troy Daniels. Right. Which I think... But you did, in all that talk, you didn't even mention Warren. Oh, I meant, I meant to include Warren there, too. So that's still four, five guys playing for, we'll call it two... two Two, two, and two, a two, two and a quarter spots. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, I, I think there's a way to, to way to do that. But ultimately, maybe it means that at some point, one of those guys is going to have to be moved. And it gets back to the point that I brought up earlier, is if it's going to be a move for a point guard, and it's going to be a franchise-changing point guard, well, okay, that's maybe an exaggeration, but a high-level starting point guard, and it's going to happen before the season, it's going to have to be Jackson that gets moved. I can see that. It's yeah. going to happen yeah. later in the year, closer to the trade deadline. You might be able to do it with Warren instead. Yeah, and use picks. And exactly, or, particularly exactly. when you're having starting to get a little bit more clarity of what the pick range is going to be. Pick range is going to be what Bridges is bringing to the team, what Jackson is bringing to the team, based on any development he has. Because I mean, let's be honest, Jackson's summer league was horrible. Yeah, it was horrible. Yeah, but major regression. I think. His summer league, again, like I've said before, was was a, a a parallel to what he did the first half of last season. That was try to do way too much. Right. He needs to play within himself and let the game he's, come to him. Third and that's guy. what he has to do. Yeah, exactly. And he's he was Sean trying Marion. to he was trying to be the the, the 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 number one guy during 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 summer league. So but you know, all of this and the talk about potential trades and whatnot brings me to a point that you brought up before we start recording. And that that is an interesting trade potential, trade idea. Idea. That and, and maybe we can just we can just, you know, pull pull the cl- crash Gladys here and just report that it's going to happen. Right? <laughs> I'm not doing that yet. <laughs> okay. Well, Paul, hey, you know. Um but why don't you why don't you delve into that? Because I don't want to I don't want to steal any of your thunder and take any of the the concept away from you because you brought this up I initially was in firm disagreement, and then, <laughs> then we started doing some math. And then we started doing math, and I, I became much, much more enticed by the concept. I just we were talking in our prep for the show, in between um, <laughs> watching old music videos <laughs> <laughs> and discussing our fantasy league. Um, the idea of of those kind of mid-range point guards that could potentially be available and like the ones that everybody's talked about like with like the Milos the Miloses the Patrick Beverleys um even like Corey Joseph Corey Josephs Spencer Didwitties like once you get into that the one that I brought up uh to Justin before we were um uh before the show started was George Hill to which I immediately responded, <laughs> like, fuck he's no. making 19 million bucks <laughs> a year and he is 32 going on 33. Right. Mm-hmm. And then, and then I made my argument. And so my argument pretty much started with, I was, I looked at their roster and the Cavaliers roster, they're very light at the small forward position. Mm-hmm. So centering a trade around TJ Warren fills a little bit of that need and his game would 
I think could complement Kevin Loves, who they just re-signed to an extension. Mm-hmm. So he can step in at the small forward spot. And and they can do away with a point guard. Because right. They have a handful. And on top of that, we also have a Darrell Arthur contract. Mm-hmm. Or messing around with a trade machine, Troy Daniels could work for this too. So we could kill two birds with one stone and get two of those guys out of that small forwards shooting guard log jam um, by sending either just TJ Warren and Darrell Arthur, TJ Warren, Darrell Arthur and Troy Daniels, or just TJ Warren and Troy Daniels. What, something in that combination to the Cavs for George Hill. He makes $19 million. Yes. He's only guaranteed $1 million next year. Right. Next year. It's 18 million option. next year, but 1 million guaranteed. So he is that level of point guard. He's a vet who isn't really expected to run the offense. He never really did. I mean, in his uh, Pacers days, he was kind of second fiddle to Paul George in that sense. When you looked at that roster, um, same thing when he was playing in San Antonio, um, you know, his time in Utah, Utah, Sacramento, etc. He's not really that lead guy, so he could fit that role. He's a pretty solid defender. His percentages, his stats, also pretty solid across the board. He's a dependable guy who I think would really fit that role. And he clears $18 million off the books next year. Mm -hmm. So when we're looking at going into a season where there's a number of potential max free agents. Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant (laughs) on that list up and available to sign with teams. And we're looking at a team that's wanting to build to grow, to become a potential destination for those guys, he helps open up that cap space that we could sign them, and I think he would also help from the perspective of being that steadying force to help run that offense and keep everybody in line and follow the principles of Igor's offense. Yeah, and and I've obviously been a big proponent of the whole concept of having veterans teach younger players, whether they be rookies or, you know, second, third, fourth year guys, the ropes in the NBA, not only in terms of the game, but in terms of how to the business, yeah, the business, how to to carry yourself, how to handle yourself. And I think that for all intents and purposes, based on any reports out there, George Hill is a consummate professional. The kicker for me with that, which made me change my mind about this being a hell no idea to a hmm that's that's intriguing is freeing up of cap space because you've got Chandler coming off the books next year you've got Ariza coming off the books next year and if you were to take Hill and him only having one million dollars guaranteed and you let him go a couple other moves suddenly boom right there's 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 cap space to 40 million for for a max player and that's and that's intriguing even if it's not a max player then it's you've got two or three space. pretty good right. exactly. Exactly. players that help round out the team. So that 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 certainly makes it enticing because I think ultimately, again, one of one of these wings at some point is going to have to go, and if it means that it's T.J. Warren with other guys thrown in, um, right. whether whether it be Arthur or Daniel or both, and it means that we can free up cap space for next off season. Right. Dang. Why not? Why not? Why not? 
So that, I mean, that, that, that really is a trade that makes more sense to me than any other trade for a younger point guard. Because even with some of these younger point guards that have been floated around out there, you know, aside from a Damian Lillard or a Kemba Walker, you're still kind of taking a shot on a guy who hasn't quite proven himself. Right, and None also of, coming up on a payday. Right. That's going to affect your uh, your cap space and whatnot. And. Right, and, and again, with the free agent class that we're looking at next season, if you can free up cap space, and I, I think George Hill, notwithstanding the fact that he's bounced around the league and he's towards the latter part of his career, I think he still would be based on what we know, an upgrade over the guys that are on the roster right now. Right. And when I say based on what we know, the only person that I put out there as a question mark and unknown is Elliot Kobo because he, he showed flashes during Summer League, but that's Summer League. Well, I mean, he also Melton's showed, Melton's, a Melton's also showed, showed flashes during Summer League, but again, it's Summer League. Right. And, and these guys are going to have to adjust the league and having somebody help steer them into that direction, help ease that adjustment is, is I think, advantageous. Again, I, I, I've likened it before to starting quarterbacks in the NFL. When you have a high draft pick that starts at court, that, that's going to be a quarterback, a high draft pick quarterback, the old trend was always to give them time, give them a year, give them Maybe two, two years to learn the system, to get used to the speed of the league, etc. Give the team time to develop a line around them, too. Right. <laughs> that's, that's, that's fallen off a bit recently, and I think you know a couple teams are, are trending detri- back into that direction To the detriment of now. players. Right, exactly. So, I mean, the whole RG3 situation was because he... Yeah. Right, right. And, and you look at Baker Mayfield right now is not starting. Um, Josh Allen, who I think is going to suck anyway, but he's not starting. Uh, Josh Rosen could could Josh Rosen could those guys all be starting sometime later this year? Yeah, they could be, but it's advantageous to them to have somebody help ease that progression, ease that transition into professional sports. And I think that George Hill could do that very well with somebody like Elliot Kobo, with somebody like DeAnthony Melton. And again, if that comes together with freeing up a significant amount of cap space next year seems seems like a good move to me. I mean, honestly, my biggest concern about about possibly trading for George Hill is how things ended in Sacramento. Is he he signed with Sacramento for a massive amount of money, thinking that their intention was to compete, <laughs> didn't happen, and then he that was, was his first mistake, and then he was getting benched because they wanted to play the young guys. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that, but and then he was traded to the Cavs, which you know now he's in a position to compete. But then LeBron leaves, right? So he may be in a position where he wouldn't mind moving on, right? So the question is: Is he wanting to move on to a contender, or we want to move on to a team that is on an upswing, and he may actually be a potential a key cog to that? Right. So that's is he willing uh, to take a Jared Dudley type role? And I don't mean it to but that the, extreme where he's not he's going to play as little as Dudley did, but I think but be with more the concept of, being he's a young he's an older guy who's going to uh, provide tutelage to the younger guys, but he recognizes that when those guys hit their peaks, he's not going to be there. I think it would be more of a situation of kind of a reason Tyson Chandler's roles or Chandler's roles in previous years. I mean, obviously this year he's going to be the backup, but you know Chandler was the starter to help 
Shepard, Alex Lenalong. Obviously, that didn't work out. I don't blame Chandler on that. And Ariza's kind of being brought in similarly to kind of secure that small forward position and kind of shepherd along the guys behind him. So why can't you, again, can't you do the same thing at the point guard position? It does really start to make us kind of older in the starting lineup. But, sure. you know, I think it's a move that might might make sense, both from a roster construction standpoint, also a future-looking standpoint for the team. Absolutely. Absolutely. Never thought I'd want George Hill on the Suns, but, you know, hey, things change. You know what? Exactly. If, if it's going to, in the long term and in the short term, mm-hmm. I think, uh, you know, be an advantage to the Suns, then so be it. And that's yeah. a name that I haven't heard floated out there. And maybe there's a reason for that. I mean, I've, I've heard it, but I think... Was it in your head? No, no, I've seen it. It's just, for whatever reason, I don't... I think it's probably the price tag is, mm-hmm. you know, they're looking at... You're looking at guys who are on more reasonable contracts. Mm-hmm. But I think they're... In this case, actually having the higher contract could make sense. Yeah, I mean, especially... It's just like the Ariza contract. You yeah. paid 15 million bucks this year, but yeah. it's zero next year. Hills... Right. For and all intents and purposes, the same thing. Worst case scenario, um, you know, it doesn't work out and they kind of want to blow it up at the trade deadline. But both Hill and Ariza are kind of on one year deals that um, should be relatively easy to move because they're productive players who another team, like a team that actually is trying for something, may want on their squad. And worst case scenario for that team, players gone the next year. And it, so it opens up free cap space for, for them. So I think it could it would be a advantageous move for McDonough to explore. I like it, Paul. I like it. Okay. Well, I think we've said all that needs to be said for this particular episode. Unless you have anything else to add. No, I think I'm good, man. Beautiful, beautiful. Well, um, as always, we appreciate everybody out there listening. We will get back into a much more regular routine as we're starting to get towards the regular season. Uh, perhaps making a trip up to training camp this summer. Uh, I maybe. That's, I said perhaps. Perhaps I think at the very least we're going to try to make it to the uh, open practice. That's but I think that's going to be at Talking Stick. Okay, well then it makes it all easier. Don't have to drive all the flags in. Much easier, but it's so nice in Flagstaff this time of year. They got great breweries up there too. Do they? Oh, they it's do. been a long time since I've been to Flagstaff. Yeah, they do. So, uh, at any rate, perhaps we'll be there. If we are, we'll let everybody know. And everybody that listens who happens to be in attendance, we can perhaps catch up, or enjoy mustard. one of those beautiful breweries, and have a few brews together. So, anyways, thank you very much for listening. We appreciate it. And as always, depending on when you're listening, have yourself a good morning, good afternoon, or good eight. Hey, hey. We forgot Evening. our And you can Twitter. follow me on Twitter <laughs> at so says Jay and Paul. At Dervish of World. And you can follow the pod at Fan the Flames NBA. Do I have to say my whole thing again now? Does that does that like trigger you? Is that <laughs> And as always, depending on when you're listening, thank you for listening and have yourself a good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. <laughs> if peeing in your pants is cool, consider me Miles Davis. That is the grossest thing I've ever heard. Let's go. Just